All right, we're live. So, um, you know, the biggest thing I'm hearing, guys, is just there's a lot of confusion out there. And I think the biggest confusion is it felt like, okay, we had the May 30th situation. We'll talk about that in a moment. But then on June 5th, we had this big kumbaya with the One Fargo group. And I thought it was an exemplary event, not just for our community, but for the country. And then Monday happens. And all of a sudden, they're alleging, you know, legal surveillance, accusing the Fargo PD of crimes. Now they're saying, and I think you're saying the same thing, you guys aren't talking. Walk us through what happened between that Friday to that Monday to now. Well, we were kind of disappointed because uh, we were asked to have a meeting early Monday morning because people were upset with uh, Officer Ozison's actions and what had happened. And it brought up a variety of different concerns on uh, the One Fargo group. And so on that Monday, we started a meeting in which Wes read us our Miranda rights and started a discussion at a, at a meeting. And we were introduced then to people from Black Lights Matter, which weren't part of the original group that did the event on that Friday. And uh, got a list of the So what we're just having into a hospital. Have a seat at the table. Let's continue dialogue. Let's continue to go forward. And we were told, uh, we don't want to seat at the table. We want to protest our way through this. And it was very disappointing because uh, we felt no need for any more bridges. And we we're going to move forward on trying to, to make changes in the community. So just for clarity, they you guys walked in and they read you your Miranda rights? That's correct. For what? Well, they were accusing us of, of in their words, illegal surveillance and Unfortunately, the conversation never really be became productive. I, I tried to provide some answers to them. Uh, usually I got talked over or my answers were dismissed. And so unfortunately, it wasn't a productive conversation. This week, we had met with the organizers of the very first event who were planning a Friday event. And we met with them for three and a half hours and it turned out to be a, a productive going forward, agreeing to meet on a weekly basis uh, to have some constructive dialogue. The next morning, Thursday morning, I had them invited over to my police station and I brought the that organizing group into the police station, introduced them to my community engagement and I committed my community engagement team to helping them with we wanted it to be successful. We wanted to supply them with the things they needed it to be successful, audio systems, you know, a schedule, a program, speakers, whatever <coughs> they were going to help them with. Uh, it, it turned out to be a great event, I think, for our, for our community. And I think they established some good credibility in that event. Um, at some point, uh, former Deputy Chief Osmondson met with them uh, during the weekend they became upset with some of the things that he said resulted in them asking for an emergency which the mayor and I uh, facilitated and came to uh, that meeting uh, only one of the original organizers came along with two people we'd never met before and and it didn't turn into a productive and those two have matters correct that's correct and that's who were those two individuals one is Faith Dixon, and then I think it's Frederick Edwards. Frederick Edwards is the other gentleman. 
So the 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 former Chief Osmondson situation was that known before Friday the fifth? Correct. I mean, there was some conversation about it him. Was. I so so it why? Up, I brought it up that that was being addressed, uh, and they seemed satisfied with my 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 commentary on that Wednesday. Something happened over the weekend in a meeting they had with him that made them angry, and then it just kind of derailed everything. What do you think he said? I'm not sure. I, you know, I think he them his version of events, uh, his viewpoints. Um, of course, that resulted in, in them calling for that meeting with us, uh, reading us our Miranda warnings accusing us of a number of things, not having a productive meeting. One of the demands that they made in that meeting is that we drop all the charges for rioting. Um, and we said, we, we can't do that. That's not within our authority to do that. Um, and then they said, well, we're going to have a press conference, which was their, their Monday afternoon press conference. That day. So how long you known former Deputy Chief Osmondson, 30 years? 30, over 31 years we worked together. So, on the Saturday protest from Island Park, he was asked to say Black Lives Matter. He said no. Then all of a sudden, within days, he resigns and he closes off a third. And I want everyone to know Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter. I've known him for 37. Well, I think I, I can't because you're asking me what he's thinking and, and what's in his mind, and I, I can't. Um, I will say that we've been friends. Our wives are friends. Uh, I feel horrible for him how uh, this has all transpired. Um, I think it's been an extremely difficult time, and I, I feel horrible for him um, and what he's gone through. But. As far as what he feels about these different organizations and what his views are, that's a question you'd have to ask him. Been wearing the blue for 31 years is going to start his resignation or end it with Black Lives Matter, and then oh, oh yeah, and by the way, thanks to the police. I mean, isn't that? I guess that's speculation on your part. Uh, yeah, so let's let's go to this. Um, is there any May 30th? No, no. So why make the accusation? Well, I, you know, what, what Deputy Chief Osmondson did um, wasn't illegal. Um, and, and I think they said that we were illegally surveilling them in the street with their, our cameras, too. That is that's illegal. What Deputy Chief Osmondson did was outside of our police department policy and procedure. And, and that's why this. pertains to employment issues. Uh, he went and self-deployed on his own, indicating that, without being in an operations plan, uh, inserted himself into an undercover role, unbeknownst to us, and, and that kind of situation, there's a, def a definite operations plan where there's a communications plan, there's an extraction plan, there's a rescue team, uh, ready to go in case that person gets themselves into trouble, and none of those things were in place for operation. So, just for the record, did you ever tell him to go undercover inside these this protesters' right? 
Did you find out that he was down there? And, and was he undercover or was he off duty? Well, that's, that is the, the question that a lot of um, When the protest came out to the, the march came out to the Fargo police station, Deputy Chief Osmondson came outside um, and joined the mayors and myself interaction with the protesters. So he was helpful in diffusing some of the tensions there at that time. We understood that, but that's, he's on light duty. So he can't really stand the line. And so he's helping to try to diffuse it. As you know, what happened then is the mayors and Chief Todd, we had a conversation with the protesters, had good conversation, different things. They had questions about why don't you hire more black officers? What is your policy on this and these? We had great conversations for 15, 20 minutes. And you could say Ozzy helped diffuse that a bit or was trying to help diffuse that, but he was still on light duty. So he couldn't do what the other officers could do all at that time. Right, but I'm asking specifically when he went downtown, was he still on that light duty yeah. or was so, he off duty so at that after point? After the protesters left the station, I went back into Chief Ross Renner and we're kind of co-chairing the incident. Uh, Deputy Chief Osmondson walked past the door and then I never saw him again. Now he had talked to me about earlier about having family in town or at the lake, I don't remember which. And so when I didn't see him again, I made the assumption that he had gone home. So when did you find out he was downtown? Sometime between 3.30 and 4, Deputy Chief Joe Anderson called me and said, do you know where Ozzy is? And I said, no, I think he went home. He said, well, I see him walking around downtown. And I said, oh, well, and, and that didn't surprise me because that is where he hangs out. That's his passion is downtown. And I, I said, well, can you get to him? And Joe said, no, I don't, I don't feel comfortable getting to him because of the different pockets of, of protesters and, and what was going on. Because the person you were just talking to felt somewhat threatened or that there was some chance of him getting hurt if he went in there? Well, no, Joe, I just Joe wanted, was in full uniform, was it? Yeah, Joe was in full uniform. But why didn't he feel comfortable just going grab grabbing Ozzy and saying, hey, now we're getting... He would have had to walk past the line of protesters. So then why didn't you just text Ozzy and go, Ozzy, what are you doing, man? Get out of there. Well, I didn't know that he was in the middle of things. I just assumed he was walking around downtown like everybody else and observing things. So I didn't really think anything of it. Things started to progress downtown, get more intense, become more aggressive. I was wrapped up in the incident command, uh, which consisted of calling other agencies for assistance, um, managing them as they came in, making sure they had the, the gear that they needed, uh, making sure, knowing where to deploy them. And in incident command, we're sur we have screens around us where radios we're answering, we're answering the phone, uh, the mayor's there, the governor's there. The That's his full focus. So yeah. it's like you would need to do show. He's on full focus doing that. If he gets a text or something or something from Ozzy, that's all. And the, to me, a lot of times, you might just hand that off to Jessica or somebody to look at, but the reality is he has he has a duty. And Chief, are you ready for this? Are you ready for that? Yes. Yeah. He's making phone calls. He's making decisions. There's a variety of screens we can see downtown. We can as well and see what's happening. And as tension has started to increase, he had decision-making to make. So at any time on Saturday or Sunday, did you call Ozzy and tell him to go home? I called 
after the riot was over, and because we had been talking in Incident Command of how we were going to staff Incident Command and who was going to take over, who was going to go home and get a couple hours of sleep. And so I called him and I said, you need to be in Incident Command at 0600 because you'll be taking over for a renter who will have been and so you need to be here to take over for him. If I told him to go home and get some rest, maybe I did, but the purpose of the call was to say, you're gonna be an incident command at 0600. And the reason I ask that is because Wes Philome obviously has made accusations that he's asked you the same questions. Hey, did you call him around midnight and you wouldn't give him a straight answer? So do you wanna do that right now and tell him, hey, here's when I called him and I told him to be there at 0600? I don't remember if it was after midnight or 1.30 or whenever, but yes, I did call Ozzy, and, I, and the purpose of that call was to tell him he needed to be in incident command to take over for Renner at that time in the morning. One of the things we're getting on Facebook is that, you know, there's this big conversations about they need permits there on Main and 25th where they were blocking traffic, almost didn't let people go by. Why not just shut this thing down then? I mean, they were breaking a law, correct? Yeah, the difficulty in a quote on permit issue is that most groups that have anything that disrupts the streets have to get a permit. That's something that usually does, takes a while, but every different uh, part of the organization gets involved. Does Ben Dow need to put up barricades? Does the police need to do something different? And then also, if you do that, you usually are asked to carry liability insurance in case anything happens along your event or what's going on. And Chief can explain it. If, if you have a permit, then we'll make arrangements for them to do something along a street. If you don't have a permit, then you need to walk on the sidewalks, and that's what you need to do. The difference is you don't disrupt traffic. But they did. That's what I'm asking. Why don't you shut it down right there? There was some experience, and Chief can talk to that yeah. as far as when you get uh, confrontational on the streets, what sometimes will happen. So I'll get to that. Then, but then I guess the question then is, is any of those people that were shutting down traffic been charged or cited for doing that? And if shutting, not, why not? For shutting down the traffic and, and obstructing traffic? No. Why not? Well, um, what, what our focus became that day, because of the large number of people and the limited number of officers I have, is just trying to keep people safe. And uh, if I create a provocation on the street where all of a sudden we line up officers on the street and say you're, you're not going any further than this, that's where uh, the provocation becomes an incident where people get hurt or forces used because the crowd's so amped up i said let's let them walk it out let's keep them walking keep them walking. they're gonna so get tired they, they walked all the way to west fargo to that police department and all the way back and and we were seeing on social media some people saying i'm dropping out i can't walk any further or, i'm getting blisters on my feet or th things like that and it, it, just because of the energy of that crowd and, and and there was a time at the station it seemed explosive where things could go either way and, and thanks to the two mayors they were able to de-escalate that and then and I was out there uh, with them too and and thankfully that de-escalated a little bit because it was a large crowd I'm thinking it was probably 2,500 people in front of the station and I think 30 40 officers and so it was there was a lot of tension there at first so with that being said when when mr osmussen sort of retracted the form story he he and i spoke for like probably 90 minutes after that mm -hmm. and he said you guys 
really had no plan for this. I mean, didn't plan at all, didn't debrief on who these people were, you had no history on them. Is there any veracity to that? No. on standby, we had operations plans, uh, we had intelligence workups, um, we, we planned quite a bit, but we also planned for the route. So we had worked with the protest organizers of, this is going to start at Island Park, you'll walk this route down Broadway, 2nd Avenue, 4th Street, back to Island Park. And right out of the park, it went off route and it continued to go off route. And so we were scrambling to get people to different locations to stop traffic ahead, to keep traffic come from coming up behind them. And at the same time, recognizing what had happened in other parts of the country, trying not to set up uh, instances where there would be a clash or provocation uh, and, and let them march and walk and kind of walk out some of that energy. No, they did a lot of walking throughout the community that they really did not tell us they were going to do it first. Right. The other thing is, is that, I'm not sure Ozzy's really true about this, the problem I have with my chief, he over plans. So we had a lot, we had a lot of plans, contingency plans, and we knew a police station was at risk. We know our old police station was at risk, and we know our new police station was at risk. So I get, they inundate me with different things, we got to plan this, 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 this. So we had a mobile strike force that could move rapidly. And, and you're right, were you at the police station? Mm -hmm. Because when we first started, there weren't a lot of police officers at first, and all of a sudden you saw more and more show up. And then the other thing you saw, there was a lot of tension out. And Judd called me frantically and said, get over here, Tim, you got to help me with this, because this So, uh, you know, 200, or excuse me, 2,000 people, you can't arrest yourself out of it. A lot of people say, well, just arrest them all, Tim, okay? Now i got 2,000 people i got to put somewhere. Where am I going to put them? You know, and so it's not as to do that. You don't really have... Uh, a plan to arrest uh, that many people. Because then you have to try to do crowd control and how you modify that. And when people are looking for, let's get a photo op that goes national, that's what you get concerned about. And I'm only asking is the people watching are going to be like, wait a second, these people broke the law, they're break, you know, stopping traffic, and now there's no repercussion for them? So does that mean I can go out there and stop traffic now and nothing's going to happen to me? And that, that's where I think well, you're you going to have. <laughs> Don't say that on air. But that's where I think you're going to have some we challenges. Right now, <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it, people have a point because everybody else that wants to do a parade in our city, whether it's St. Patrick's Day parade, whether it's the Holiday Lights parade or and Veterans Day parade, they get a permit. They do that 30 days ahead of time. It allows us to get the barricades and the resources we need to block those streets, provide proper traffic control, manipulate traffic lights if we need to, and then they also get uh, liability insurance, uh, which is required as part of the permitting process. And so that didn't happen this time. When we were communicating with the organization, or through the organizers, through my lieutenant in charge of the downtown district, he told them, okay, you know, the sidewalk is kind of where you need to be. Well, that didn't happen. And I think the irony of all ironies is that they're marching for equal justice, and now they're because someone like myself, I would be charged. They, you know, it's well, just I, ironic. I, I have heard from organizers of other parades that are upset with us because the, they didn't get a permit, they didn't get the liability insurance, and I understand that. That's a that's a fairness aspect to them too. We recognize that this is this was a situation that the whole nation 
is involved in this conversation about what happened to George Floyd. And what happened to George Floyd was wrong, and we want to see justice in that situation. We also recognize that the energy of that crowd in trying to stop route could have been disastrous for us as a, as a city. And so sometimes you have to pick your battles and decide, you know, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Right or wrong, that was the decision I made. So it sounds like one of the variables that changed the dynamics was Black Lives Matter showing up at this meeting on Monday. Yes? Is that a fair assessment? or? Well, and then I think Wes had some in, in discussions with uh, Kenneth Osmondson that made him very frustrated and angry. Uh, I, I think that uh, Frederick and Faith are frustrated as well. Interesting thing, Frederick's very upset with NDSU and some things that go on out there with their police force. And I talked to Dean Rashani and they've never approached him or called him or talked to him at all. So this is kind of one of these things, you gotta talk to somebody and you do that. I mean, you get out there and we, we make a conversation and uh, right or wrong, we have to respond to it. And so to me, the frustration is, is normally if you're upset about something, you have to tell people. So a couple questions for both of you we got on Facebook, and Mayor, I'll start with you on this one, but the question is, why are you giving one Fargo and Black We uh, what we tried to do is not have a, a repeat of that Saturday night event, so we did the Friday event. I think we all agree the Friday event went well. What we're frustrated with now is just as well as everybody else, the protesting time, we don't need to do that. We need to sit down and talk and do constructive push things together. And so, um, Part of it is, is that sometimes a spontaneous crowd is going to do something, freedom of speech, we both would agree with that, but it's not a freedom to go around town and do things that could be destructive. And so our, my frustration is, is that we've opened our doors, we're ready to talk, we're ready to work with people. Let's move on to that second stage and start getting constructive things done. So I want to get to that in a minute, but the other question from Travis Kraft is, do you stand with Black Lives Matter? Do I stand with them? I do think Black Lives Matter, but I don't uh, necessarily embrace the whole uh, whatever resolution the Black Lives Matter might have. Uh, it's always a little careful when you have an national organization because you don't see all the preambles behind that, right? So sometimes when people shout out Black Lives Matter, that's one thing, okay? But the organization sometimes has some um, victims or things that they state. I wouldn't even know what those are. So we do want. George Floyd's death was tragic. We don't like that. So we all agree that that shouldn't have happened. How can you improve policing? And the Black Lives Matter organization needs to come to the table. They have to talk to us, but we're not going to necessarily embrace all their principles. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Do you stand with Chief Todd uh, sort of naming these protesters and rioters as thugs and domestic terrorists? I think I'll have Chief Todd speak to that. He has some uh, explanation of what went on that morning. And, but I mean, uh, do you support that sort of uh, identity or brand for these what people? What I support is Chief Todd's act, the actions, the terrorist actions that were going on is that's what he was concerned about and he will tell you he'll apologize for the use of the word thug. That's probably just that that's his type of uh, verbiage he uses because of his age and it means something different to him. I understand that it's a derogatory term and we would rather have him not say that. That's correct. One more question, we'll give you a chance to respond to that. But I think also, um, oh, I forgot it. So I'll let, you, I'll let you go and I'll come back to Mayor Mahoney. So that was an email that was to my fellow chiefs and sheriffs throughout the state and around this area that were, the email was thanking them 
for coming and helping us with that riot because we would have been in trouble without their help. And uh, my emotions were still a little bit high. I had watched my officers getting hit with rocks and bricks, some of them getting injured from that, uh, watching people break into small businesses and loot those businesses and then break windows all over the place and, and uh, put graffiti on buildings. And so my emotions were a little bit high and, and uh, I used some verbiage that uh, I, I guess I, re I regret now, but I was talking about the people that did that activity, that behavior. There's another whole group of people that are, de are, are good, decent people that were protesting something that was important to protest about, which was a George Floyd um, incident. And, and we all want justice for George Floyd. Every good police officer does. I was referencing the people that came here to be destructive and, and hurt other people. I wish I would have used different verbiage in, in describing um, that group of people and that behavior. So I, I remember my question. And so I, I do, I apologize to people that were offended by that. Thank you for that, Chief. Um, you said that, hey, these were terrorist type acts. How would you define a terrorist act? The fact that you're doing violence, breaking windows, so when you're asked to disperse, you did not disperse. I mean, and the thing I find uh, unusual is we have people that are charged with crimes that they, they committed people and they want us to drop the charges. People did do acts of violence in that particular night and we've charged only people who we feel credibly should be charged. Uh, Lieutenant Osmondson, uh, none of the charges as he named as a charging officer. So when people say, well, he had something to do with that, he said nothing to do with anybody charged. So the people are charged for the violence that they do and uh, those people have suffered the consequences. So now you're getting to the root of the situation. Do you think One Fargo West Black Lives Matters is trying to abdicate their responsibility for what happened tonight? Because even West has called them riots, but then he says, oh, they're riots because Chief Osmondson was down there. Basing the investigation, what I'm hearing you say is that Chief Osmondson did nothing to incite any riot or terrorist acts. That's fair. So were these guys trying to abdicate responsibility for what happened by blaming uh, Former Deputy Chief well, Osmondson. what we think is that there were two groups actually made that night, and the one group was the one far who was trying to have an activity that was peaceful demonstrations, and we feel that during the course of the evening, a different element came out, and that element was to riot. So what Wes would say to you is one Fargo wasn't even created till June 4th or June 3rd, or maybe it was after the riot. Let's say the organizers of the first protest march. Got who, it. Who morphed into one Fargo. Okay, who drafted this one intent or agreement that you were supposed to did Wes? We drafted a copy of what's up read the agreement that I drafted. It says one on there because you have West Fargo and we have uh, Moorhead on there as well. <clears throat> we sent it to a draft and I said, look at this, uh, see if you like it, see if you want to change it. I hadn't shared it with either mayor at that point because I wanted to see a final copy. If he had any changes, we would have it. That was drafted as a response to what we talked about that Wednesday afternoon to have three and a half hours of, of dialogue that we wanted to continue to have dialogue. It's been morphed into one part was determined and that's their choice. I haven't morphed it anything. That particular, I can't sign that because that's through my commission. They have to approve whatever comes out of that. Same with Mora, same with West Fargo. So I can't sign anything on Friday. I'd be happy to look at it, but that was a beginning document. Can we start with this document and start working on it? I got two minutes on total. So if we can go a couple minutes more, I would appreciate it. Because I, I want to ask you this, and, and 
I think this is one thing that people are struggling with too is you've been in these conversations with One Fargo and Black Lives Matter, both of you. Are you clear on what their goals are? I, I, you know, we had some demands that given to us the first meeting. Um, I think when, when I looked at them, I said, we're actually doing most of these already. Um, and I want to provide some education on what we do in the police department that already kind of meets these in, in some way or another. Uh, the second meeting, uh, I would think the mayor would agree with me that the demand changed um, to you need to and release these people that you've arrested for rioting. And we, when we said we couldn't do that, they said, well, we're going to have a press conference. Well, are you sure? Are you clear on what, like, and I, what I mean is, you know, at the end of the day, I think everyone wants to see no more. Not happen in Fargo, but just to make parameters, if you will, within the Fargo PD so it never happens. So from a police reform standpoint, are you clear on what one Fargo or Black Lives Matter wants? Or You know, on the first list we got, we felt some of those were very doable things, and we felt we already did a lot of them. So we said, great start for the conversation. But you're exactly right. The second list came with demand for different. We had to drop charges. We had to upcharge somebody in West Fargo. I don't have any jurisdiction over there. Um, and the, the, the tone changed. So we're like, okay, guys, where are you going with this? And what we kept saying is, let's just get a room and start talking. Why do we always have demands ahead of any discussion? Which, by the way, the gentleman that actually got hit by the car, I don't know if you all have seen this, he's asking Wes to remove his name from these demands. He's like, look, man, I'll handle this with my own attorney. You know, I don't want to be a part of this. So uh, I've been happy about that because I suggested to Bernie Dardis, so the guy driving the car and the victim, get together and talk. Because I have a feeling they could work this thing out themselves, and why do we get inserted into their issues? And that, and that would be a much and better way. That's what I want to ask you, because my understanding is Wes keeps pointing the finger at you, not communicating, not talking, but my understanding is Bernie Dardis and Mayor Judd haven't spoken to him since the 5th either, correct? That's correct. So why are you getting the finger pointed at him? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, uh, I would hope that if you come out of this, is that we're happy to sit down and talk. 24-7. If somebody wants to visit and get to constructive, let's get to constructive things. Most important question. I'm getting a lot of requests for this, and I'd like both of you to weigh in on it. So if, if you said, okay, Chris, here's our plan to reform the police to ensure that we can have the best Fargo Police Department on the planet or best PD on the planet, what what is that plan? What are the specifics? Well, part of that is in our strategic plan that we've been following the last five years. And, and it's also an increase in community engagement in the programming that specifically reaches out to our minority communities and our youth uh, in, in trying to build bridges there and relationships because they're tomorrow's adults and they're the ones that are gonna help us solve problems tomorrow. Uh, so I, I think it's a continuation of, of some of many of the things that the department's doing now. I think some of that has been lost in the conversation and people not realizing that what the thing the things that the department do does the things that the city does through their human relations commission and the implicit bias uh, training and the cultural diversity training that we, we provide throughout the city and let's continue to expand on that so, so one of the things he did is when he applied for his position he gave me a strategic plan so one of the things i don't know if you were here five years ago mm -hmm. so if you looked at our department five years ago and you look at it now it's totally different and we've expanded, we're bigger, we're larger, we're doing a lot of different things we didn't do before. There's a lot of unfortunate things happening with children. Get into computers, do different things you've never done before. You gotta get into, there's a national thing by the mayors is that you get with the youth early 
and you can mentor and work with them, oftentimes they get jobs, careers, and are able to survive without a criminal type of uh, career. There are a lot of things that if you work with different people, you make much more progress. I'm very proud of where Chief Todd has come, and in addition, we got an academy that finally came out of that. But if you look at that strategic plan, much further ahead. Now to me is that what do we, how do we modify it? So I listen to the public. Some people want to defund the police. Some people want to do this. Maybe we can do different things. Maybe we can help in different ways. So let's look at that and, and really continue to try to improve. And maybe here's a better question. I'll start with you, Mayor. So you've been in these conversations. Based on the conversations you've had, what's the biggest problem that you're hearing from this group, and how do you solve it? We're a little concerned about people feel that if they're of color that they're treated differently by the police and I think we need to look at that and see what we need to do. I think all three cities need to do that. We need to look at that. Also the university has some issues that they brought forward to us. It's amazing to me when you talk to the president of the university and he says I haven't heard a thing that you, you okay something's not happening and if you listen to me talk on Friday afternoon what I said I'm like a man in the desert and I want communication. We haven't had communication. So this is an opportunity to open those things and talk about it. Chief Todd, if he's aware of it, he can change it. But if he doesn't know what's going on out there, then we need to talk about it. So your solution is just more conversations, or do you have any concrete, like, hey, Chris, here's my plan of action to solve yep. this problem? Or What I would hope to do is you would meet, have a plan of action within three to four months, and then you start executing that plan of action. As you know, we're hiring a new police chief, so what I have to do in West Fargo is hiring a new police chief. So we need to bring that person in on that and then see their plan of action. Now, with Chief Todd, when he applied, he gave me a strategic plan. Whatever that is, but also have to do that same thing. We try to morph that with the information. So you just said you're a man on an island at times because there hasn't been conversations. But you've you've been deputy mayor since what 2006. So how come you're not more aware of some of these issues and challenges? When I say I'm man on an island, we have a human relations commission, which is we're supposed to bring issues to to the commission. And when I'm saying that, it's just that these people have had difficulties. Not these people. If people have had difficulties with our community and what's going on. They're not vocalizing them. And what's happened, I hate to tell people, that Chief Todd has been listening. We have been hearing from the community, and we have been hearing issues. And he has a community liaison officer. We hear a lot through the liaison officer. We have a planning department. We have people in place to listen to different. All I'm saying is if people say there's huge problems, let's talk about it, because that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing we got a police force that's well respected, and people like them and think they're doing a good job. But I want you both to know the other big feedback I'm getting from people is just to say thank you. Thank you for what you guys are doing. And they're definitely vocalizing it now. Two good questions for each of you. So, biggest problem that you are hearing from these conversations, and how would you solve it? Well, one of the issues that has been was spoken about when, when the protesters came to the station is how come there are more, aren't more people on your force that look like us? And that is a great question. I have three black officers uh, right now. Uh, would, I, would I like more black officers? Absolutely would like more black officers. But they need to feel that support within their own community too, where they're encouraged uh, and reinforced towards going towards that type of profession. Because the, the officers I have now tell me that's not really the case. And, and, and they get treated differently within their own community when they're, because they're a law enforcement officer. So I asked Wes the question, how do you recruit more black Americans yeah. to become officers well, when think, this brand, he says, hey, that's not my responsibility, that's the police responsibility. Well, I think it's both of our responsibilities. It's the community's responsibility and our responsibility. Part of how we're doing that is through our own Fargo Police Academy, establishing relationships 
with the criminal justice programs here in the different universities, which we, we have great relationships with them, and recruiting people out of those criminal justice programs uh, based on diversity, but based on qualifications, looking for the best people for the, for the job. And, and that academy gives us an incredible opportunity to take people and develop them uh, and mentor and coach them to become the kind of police officer we want them to be. You got the guy with the purse strings here. Would a pay raise help? <laughs> <laughs> Recruit we, more we, people. We actually, I'm give, trying. I want to give him credit because he did that. No, he us. did. He did. It he was did great it for us, and that made a huge difference for for our officers and morale and and, and keeping people. Sorry, one last question, because that's the other question I'm getting is, is how is the morale? I mean, it's so tough across the country right now for police officers. More and more people are saying, Chris, we need to stand for the blue, right? Not defund the police, defend the police. So how's your team doing? It's a great question, because if, if they're like me, and they, and they are, you watch the national news and what's happening and the dialogue that's happening and the defund the police, and you see all the signs, and that becomes, all, that becomes what your focus is. And... And it's easy to forget that the vast majority of the community, at least here, supports their, their police department and, and, and appreciate what, what the police department does. Uh, it's our job as leadership to make sure our people know about that appreciation uh, from our community as well as from us and, and encourage them. Because people that don't feel appreciated or encouraged in their job it's like any other job. They'll leave and go and find out where they are appreciated and encouraged. Just to be fair to them, guys, if I can. And one other thing I just want to add to that is that uh, you know this, is that our police force are very engaged in the community. We have 270 calls a day, so I always chuckle when somebody says, oh, we don't need police. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my guys because every year they're doing more and more things. We have separated out what our police force does to keep them from not doing medical, so it's mainly reasons that you might need a policeman. Are there other ways of doing things? We're working on that. So if you have psychological issues, sometimes you set a different team that's not police officers. So there's a variety of different innovative things we have done as a police force. And then just one thing is that I was not as deputy mayor police liaison until I became mayor, and that's a little different than you're fully engaged in what's going on with that. And one of the things we talked about when I became mayor is I said, I want people, when they see a police officer, wanting to go over and walk, talk to them and engage them. I don't want them to be fearful of our police, and I think our police force has done a great job of that. You know, I want smiles on the face, I want people that are out there that you feel you could approach and say, hey officer, I think something's happening or need help or need something else to happen. I think you can say that when you see our people in blue that are out in the community, that's what they do. They've had flood fights, we've had different things that we've had to do. I can't be prouder of the work that they do, and yes, I think it's hard because you get beat down every day. Yeah. So. If it wasn't COVID, I'd say give a police officer a hug, but <laughs> give him an elbow. 30 seconds, last words. I know our community wants to hear from you. Just kind of your last 30 seconds, sir. Let's work together. It's a community that we can improve. We all have lessons we can learn, and we want to listen to all people. We want everybody engaged in this. So if we're to make a better Fargo, let's do the things that will help do that. We have always uh, said ears are there for a reason, and that's to listen and your brains are there to try to make them the tough decisions, and we will make the tough decisions and move forward. Thank you, 30 seconds, Chief. Much the same thing as the mayor. I think some point uh, we have to look on back on this point, and hopefully we can look back on it and say, okay, we took a turn here and moved back onto the positive, productive uh, path of, of actually accomplishing something substantive. And, and at some point you have to move past some anger 
and have good dialogue and good conversations where everybody listens to each other to learn how, how we can work together. Thank you. I got a lot more, but I know we got to go. 